Hey, how you doing? I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. It is the 2nd of December and this is Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar and the 2nd of 24 daily podcasts to take you right up to Christmas as I try to see if it's possible for me to ever love Christmas again like I did back in my younger days long before my attention started to focus on finishing off my days in a care home and the astronomical cost of walking showers. Yesterday I told you about how Christmas was a massive thing for me in the first half of my life. I loved Christmas. From early on I knew I was not built to love many things. My heart doesn't give its affections away too easily. So the festive period became incredibly special to me. And then through a variety of circumstances, which I'll be touching on throughout this series, what I felt for Christmas, I lost that. And I want it back now. I don't know if it's because I genuinely want it or because I feel it would be healthy to have some of what I felt during Christmas's past back in my life. I haven't quite worked that bit out. What I do know right now is that in 23 days time I will be sat in front of my family handing out to them some of the cheapest gifts being given anywhere in the country trying to block out the shame of that. That is something I do care about. I don't like people going home on Christmas Day making a mental note to spend less on me the following Christmas because they've sussed they spent far more on me than I did on them. I don't like being the cheapskate. Frugality, like an unclean toilet bowl at the house of a prospective partner on an early date, is a very ugly visual. When presents are being opened on Christmas Day, I just tell myself I'm not really there. It helps that I have a limited range of facial expressions as a result of five nose jobs to help me get through that annual morning of shame. I see my little cousins opening my presents first. I know what they're doing. I did the same when I was their age. The first presents you open are the presents given to you by the relative that's got a history of disappointing you with their gifts. By opening their presents first, you can, if anything, heighten the excitement. There are bigger, better presents waiting for you under the tree. Everyone has that relative who gives out the rubbish presents That's a title I comfortably hold in my family since my dad went. But if I can sit there and look into the faces of those young kids disappointed by the inevitable boxes of 175 gram Terry's chocolate orange milk from Iceland, covered in foil that has to be unwrapped to reveal the iconic individual chocolate segments, if I can sit there knowing I felt something for Christmas this year after two decades of nothing, I think I'd take that. Few things live up to expectation. I'm always about the anticipation. Christmas Day could never live up to the hype with me. Christmas Eve was always the biggest day of my life. I always willed it to be a great day. It was very similar to sex for me in that the anticipation is always the best thing for me. The anticipation is Christmas Eve. The sex is Christmas Day. There are many similarities. Just hear me out. Everything's over so quickly. After sex, you've both got to get your underwear back on, but your clothes were tossed onto the floor like Christmas wrapping paper, and you find yourself sitting on the edge of the bed with your legs swung over the side at what might be unflattering angles with your bits shrinking like a post-Hulk David Banner getting your clothes back on. From a young age, I realised that Christmas for me ended with Christmas Eve. 
I would compare what I felt when those first Christmas Eves were over. I'm talking about until I was 18. I'd compare those first Christmas Eves to what I later felt when David Caruso left NYPD Blue in 1994. I was bereft. Christmas Day always saw me overwhelmed by this sadness I didn't understand. Even as a kid, me and excitement, we were never on nodding terms. So for me to be in love with something, this countdown to Christmas, which I built up annually in my head, to lose that for another year, filled me with melancholy, even as a boy. So every day I'm going to open a door to my advent calendar, much like I did in the old days. And behind today's door is a shot of the site that greeted my sister and I on Christmas Day 1976. If you're listening to this on iTunes, then visit holdfastnetwork.com where you'll be able to see the pictures behind the doors each day. It's not the clearest picture today. 70s pictures never scan brilliantly, but you can see enough. It's a very colourful shot of a poorly heated room, transformed for Christmas. There are loads of wonderful presents visible in the picture. Everything has been beautifully and thoughtfully laid out. My stuff's on the left, my sister's is on the right. We'd only just moved into 48 Mayflower. The following year, Jubilee year, my dad would embark upon a three-month redecoration of a small bedsit and the flat would never really recover. It always seemed cluttered after that. You can see a Lego set each for me and my sister. You can see chocolates, you can see lots of annuals. Doctor Who, Planet of the Apes, uh, which always scared me witless when I was a kid, watching the TV series rather than the films. Uh, the TV series was shown on ITV on Sunday afternoons. And there's an encyclopedia called Our World, which you can see on the left of the picture. I learned so much about the world through this book, and I still have it. It's still in this study, just behind me as I record this, absolutely battered. But this is where, at the age of four or five, I first learned about the Titanic and Pompeii and dinosaurs. I love this book. I think I've hung on to it because if I manage to save the family from extinction and produce a son, I want my son to have this book. Underneath is a Scorcher 1977 annual, which is probably my favourite ever annual and which maybe I'll talk about at some point. Anything football as a kid, I loved. The 1977 Beano annual is also visible in the shot on the right, less prominent than that year's dandy. My parents got it for my sister, but I was so taken with the Beano and I spent so much of the following year with my nose buried in it that the 1978 Beano annual and every subsequent Beano annual until 2000 came to me. I was starting at this time to get an idea of what Christmas was. My mum would leave our shoes on the windowsill so Father Christmas knew there was a boy and a girl living in the house. I remember too the chest of drawers in the bedroom being pulled away from the chimney stack. Uh, to allow Father Christmas uh, access. And I remember the growing excitement that some fat, white-bearded man would be in our bedsit overnight. You'd be well within your rights to think the photograph was taken after we'd opened our presents. But it wasn't. 
You see, despite arguably being the best Christmas day of my life, if I was to measure it uh, simply in terms of presence and for imbuing me with an intense childhood love of comics which culminated in the much-praised 1986 Grange Hill comic adaptation starring myself, I remember Christmas 76 because for some reason my dad had taken the decision that nothing would be wrapped. I never found out why that decision was taken. Was there a wrapping paper shortage that year in the Clapham and Stockwell area? Who decided not to wrap the gifts? Why? It never happened again. Maybe my parents saw something in our reactions that morning, discerned some disappointment in our young faces that there were no surprises. You can see a table football game too in the picture. I was never hugely uh, keen on table football. There's no real skill involved, just a lot of noise. And my frustration with its limitations would soon have me pushing for a Sabutio set, the world-famous table soccer game my dad did his utmost to resist buying me. The blackboards are interesting. I think they were bought because I was starting school after Christmas. The most significant thing for me in this photograph, though, is my toy fort, which is visible under a chest of drawers just behind this new table football game. The fort had arrived on my fourth birthday and indulged my love for small plastic cowboys and Indians figures big in the 70s, some months before Christmas. I remember carrying the fort myself when we moved across the road from 41 to 48 Mayflower. I still remember the day of the move. It was a Sunday. My aunt and cousins, they lived at 48. They were moving to the Angeltown estate in Brixton while we were moving into their bedsit, which was bigger than our first bedsit. In the world of bedsits, this was definitely supposed to be progress. I'm not sure it was, really. So I got the fort on my fourth birthday. I remember getting up. I remember opening the fort. It may not have been wrapped, foreshadowing the unwrapped Christmas presents of 76, perhaps. And I recall that my dad watched me from his bed. It was one room. Southern Europeans save on baby intercoms just by having everyone live in the same room. That's the way we are. After my dad passed away, I found one of his old diaries uh, for 1976. And there was an entry written in Spanish in my dad's barely legible scrawl describing how he had been set upon by a number of men on the Strand after leaving work the night before my birthday and had to fight them off. He worked at Simpsons in the Strand, or Cisor, as he used to call it, which is still there. Now, I knew of this story growing up, but I'd never known it had happened the night before the first birthday that I can really remember. And that discovery of his diary changed that memory for me and how I view today's photograph. I look at this picture now, I see the fort, and I think back to that day and what must have been going through my dad's mind that morning. I tried to think hard if I could remember any cuts or bruises on him, but I can't. And now I'm remembering how he stayed in bed that morning and my mind's working overtime, thinking, was he in too much pain to move? Those mixed emotions, though, shouldn't overshadow what was a magical Christmas and one of the most colourful sights to ever greet me. If I had kids, I'd want them to have a Christmas like this that they could recall almost four decades later. If they dumped me in a care home and came to pay me their annual visit, I'd hold a picture up in my clawed, liver-spotted hand to remind them what I gave them in the hope they might feel guilty enough to visit more frequently.
Let's do this again tomorrow. Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar is a Holdfast Network production. Visit holdfastnetwork.com or download the show on iTunes. For more of Daniel's work, visit 1607westegg.wordpress.com and you can follow him on Twitter at 1607westegg.